absolutely. It depends on the uh, COR of the flagstick, so the Coefficient Restitution flagstick. In U.S. Opens, I'll take it out, and uh, every other tour event, when it's uh, fiberglass, I'll leave it in and bounce that ball against the flagstick if I need to. Welcome back, podcast patrons, to episode 31 of Leave the Pin In. I'm your host, Dan, and as always, I've got my co-host, the man who is fine graffiti in golf courses with Leave the Pin In stickers, Scott. Scott, what's the good word? Uh, what's going on? I'm actually playing on Thursday. I got a brand new stack of stickers right here, and I don't know. Who knows? They might end up on you know, T-markers. I might actually put it on pin flags. Who knows? Uh, funny but if you're in, if you're in the New York area, uh, you might run into one of our stickers on a golf course somewhere. Yeah, and funny story about that. We have a listener, our buddy Kirk of Kirk Photography on Instagram, sent me a direct message and was like, uh, "Dude, there must be something in the air today. It must be kismet. There must be uh, you know something special going on." He pulled into a gas station. And on one of the garbage cans was a Leave the Pin In sticker. Yeah, did you ever figure out where he was? No, he didn't get back to me. But I met him in Greensboro at the Wyndham. I did not have stickers at that point. We hadn't had them made yet. And you only shipped them to me like a week after that, and I had them for the USAM. So anyone around Pinehurst, let me know if you find a sticker. But I have no idea where he could have found one. And, uh, I mean, honestly, it wasn't for me. So someone out there is spreading the Leave the Pin in love. Yeah, they, they probably got the sticker, checked us out, liked what they saw so much that they decided to, you know, put it up somewhere and spread the word. So thanks for doing that. Yeah, it was very cool. Um, let's talk about the USAM, Scott. I was down there for media. People that followed along on Instagram saw the stories and the pictures uh dude the four course the number four course is insane i cannot say that it's better than number two having never played number four but good lord the vistas from walking around the course were beyond insane uh the pictures that you either sent me or put up i honestly don't remember um that's a place i would love to just go and just hang out and maybe play some golf or maybe just look at it because it looks beautiful yeah it was so cool walking around and what's nuts is you know it it definitely fits into the pinehurst motif it's not like it sticks out like a sore thumb at all but it is so radically different from any of their other courses now side note editor's note i've never played seven and nine before so i can't compare to those but one two three four five six and eight i have played and it looks special it did a great job hosting uh the first day or the second day depending on your tea time of the stroke play portion of the usam and did a great job although it wasn't televised of the morning 18 for the finals i couldn't believe it scott it was only on the usga's website they got no love no television time for number four i i have found and this year especially other than the PGA Tour, there's very little TV coverage for pretty much anything. I'm surprised, though, because doesn't Fox have a deal with the USGA to televise the championships? Well, they do, so would, but I guess it was just like the championship 18. Um, yeah, but well, that's what I'm saying. You would think that maybe 
they would, you know, pop some of it on one of their like regional sports channels. I, I don't know. I feel like there's opportunities where I've turned on TV and there's been like, you know, a rewind of some baseball game where they could be showing live, you know, golf coverage of the USAM or something like that. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I mean, obviously we're very biased towards golf, but Fox also owns Fox sports and FS one. So that morning I clicked on FS one and from like 1130 to 12, there was some, I don't know, uh, Bundesliga soccer game or something like that. Uh, figuring to be over at 12. I say, okay, I get to see at least the back nine of number four in the morning. Of course, that didn't occur. And coverage didn't come on till 3 or 3.30. And the morning was insane because Augustine took a three-up lead into the 18th hole. Ogletree went and birdied the 18th in order to go two down instead of, uh, instead of three down. And then he comes back and ends up winning two to one on the number two course. So it just would have set up the dramatics so much more if you got Mm -hmm. to see, you know, I mean, honestly, if you got to see Augustine destroy the number four course, and literally he was up a ton until Ogletree started, you know, chipping back little by little. Right. Yep. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, it was, it was a pretty exciting, pretty exciting championship. I didn't watch all of it, but I, I definitely was following. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was very cool. I'll tell you what, being on the grounds was was neat, and it was nothing like a PGA Tour event. You know, for the people out there, the PGA Tour is like the creme de la creme, obviously, even with the USGA running this tournament. The media center was nice, uh, albeit a little bit small. What was awesome, though, it was inside the members' clubhouse. So for me, yeah, I've been to Pinehurst four or five times, and I have never stepped foot inside of this area and to have the ability to walk in and out of the players locker rooms and the members club and um like the usga hospitality uh house was fantastic i mean that was just otherworldly but in terms of food and stuff like that i mean it was like granola bars and bananas powerade and soda there was nothing on par with the pga tour where they're literally bringing in caterers to feed you uh you know which is insane but but the cool thing is at any USAM, and not just being a media member, but the cool thing is you get to walk in the fairways with the players as long as you stay about 50 to 75 yards behind them. So just just sick walking off, you know, the first hole at number two, and you're walking down the middle of the fairway of a championship that's televised, and, you know, in some cases, what we found were the only people following some groups were family members. That's it. And they would look at you, and more than one would say to me, oh, uh, you know, is that your brother or, you know, is that your cousin out there or something? Like that? I said, no, don't know any of them. Just we're following kind of everyone and anyone. Right. And that's, yeah, and that, that's, that's got to be kind of a cool experience, too, because uh, most of the time these guys are playing, that's probably who's following them around. Family members, the family members of, you know, the person they're playing against. Uh, I'm looking at... um a uh, a picture actually on the, the the NBC Golf website, and it's Ogletree on the 31st hole, and there's a gallery, but the gallery is maybe like 80, 90 people. Right. And it's not like they're following another group. <laughs> 
that just that's just what was there. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it, it was so cool, and and so my boys came with me for the first time to a a tournament or USGA championship where I have I haven't been there personally as just a fan. And, uh, you know, all they want to do is get autographs and kids love that stuff. And, uh, the guys were more than appreciative. And what was super cool is some of these guys, it was like the first time anyone's asked them for an autograph. And some of these guys were literally taken aback, like, uh, you want mine? And they were like, yeah. And, uh, you know, the boys got to meet Cole Hammer, who, you know, is going to be on tour in two, three years. But one of the real standout guys was this, was this, this kid, Steven, uh, Delicio from Duke University, you know, not a high world amateur golf rank. He was a rank like 800 or something. And uh, just a super nice guy. We got to meet his parents and know them as we were walking along. And the boys were like, yeah, we want to follow Steve. And, and all day long, it was like, what's Steve doing, uh, you know, the next day? Uh, what time is Steve tee off on number two? And we followed some other people, including Brandon Wu, to see how he did, who was the medalist. And uh, the whole time, they were making me check on the phone what his score was and how he was doing and just a super nice guy that you know I got in touch with on Instagram after and uh it's nice to see good people out there cuz a lot of times at at PGA tour events and corn ferry tour events you don't necessarily get who these people actually are you, you know what I mean by that Scott uh they're they're kind of they're 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 kind of uh hidden behind the armor of Hey, I'm a tour pro. My caddy will brush you away. I've got a job to do. But at at the am, like Steve was carrying his own bag up. He's like, yeah, my uh, my caddy's not going to be here for like another five minutes. He's you know he's going to the bathroom and stuff. So whatever. It's just it's super cool to, to see that and then to see a dude go out and shoot like even par from seventy three hundred yards on a championship course. Right, and his his story, uh, Tree is pretty awesome. Like his his whole like history, you know, is pretty incredible. I mean, he works at a a supermarket that his father runs to make extra cash. He uh, learned, well, I guess, refined his game at like a backyard practice facility that he and his brothers like threw together in their yard. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's you know, real. So that's a, that's as real and down to earth as you're gonna get. Yeah, that's like real salt of the earth golf he's not this kid that was raised at you know brookline or whatever you know who whose dad is a pga teaching pro or something along those lines he's mm-hmm. a kid that just loves golf you know and, exactly. and in this day and age which with such sport uh specificity at such a young age which by the way i think is awful for kids but you you see these parents gallivanting their kids around the nation to play in these junior tournaments when they're 11, 12, 13 years old. And these kids burn out by the time, you know, they're ready to go to college. Uh, and this kid's the exact opposite of that. And yep. that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, you know, you know, building off what you're saying, it's, it's a very, like, you get, like, the real person because they're real people. You know, tour pros, like you said, they can hide behind the, the veil of being a tour pro. They're there to work. They're there to make money. Their fans are there, but, you know, maybe they'll acknowledge them, maybe they won't. And, you know, if they don't, they just have the, well, I'm here to work, not to talk to fans, excuse, like, built in. So this, in a lot of ways, I think is is a lot more, a lot more, uh, a lot better to expose young kids to golf than a, a PGA Tour event. Yeah, 
Uh, that's for sure. Um, not only with the stories, but the accessibility of it. And one of the things I want to touch on, Scott, I, I see a lot of you and I in, in this kid because, you know, we grew up sneaking onto golf courses once the public employees went home for the night, you know, because mm-hmm. golf was super expensive. And we didn't grow up with silver spoons in our mouths and our parents weren't members of country clubs. Hell, our parents didn't even play golf, um, you know, or really kind of expose it to us you know i know your grandfather did but for me you know my exposure was from you you know and and other people um so i always got joy out of like anytime that you and i would go to like an uppity country club or something like that and go out and just like wipe the floor with whoever we played with there you know there's nothing that brings me more joy than a public uh course kid or a muni kid coming out and doing well for themselves Oh, absolutely. And that, that, you know, and I've been fortunate to have been, you know, members, a member at a couple private clubs, you know, nothing super like, you know, ultra private, but, you know, places that are private. Um, and I always do enjoy kind of going out playing like the, the middle-aged guy who, you know, has like a contracting business and, you know, is, you know, building some, you know, storefront across the street and got all this money and, uh, you know, I go out there and, I, you know, I beat them by, you know, four holes or something like that in the match. Exactly. You know, that, that's always a lot of fun. One last note that I want to talk about of the USAM. Uh, I don't know if you get to see any of the semifinals, but this kid, uh, Cohen Trollio, was basically an unranked amateur golfer. He's uh, 17 years old um, from Mississippi. And his dad kind of got him into golf and stuff. But I guess, Scott, what had happened was he had such a boisterous crowd uh, that bordered on the verge of being out of control. Um, Pinehurst police, and we saw them. I actually spoke to one guy a ton, actually, actually about tattoos and stuff the one day for like half an hour um, while we were there. But they had to remove three members of his gallery from the course because of profanities uh, and other actions that the USGA deemed not needed during a championship. What do you think about that? Um, I, that is like, um, I, I, first of all, I, I want to know if these are things that they've done at PGA Tour events that are just things that we think are kind of normal at tour events because, I've seen people do some stuff, and I'm just like, how are they still allowed to be here? Well, I I guess from the from the sound of it, and you know how close people were allowed to get to the players, it seemed like they were doing it during because he played Ogletree, um, and it seemed like it was one of those things where he they, excuse me, were affecting Ogletree while he was playing, you know? And I don't know if the kid was kind of egging them on. And look, I mean, I've been around youth sports for a ton, and I've, you know, there's a family in our area for youth golf that is very much like this. And my oldest son has played against them, and they'll bring like 10 to 15 people out to watch. Um, And they try to intimidate like the walking scorers with them. You know, it's just, it's disgusting behavior from people that believe that they have a place in society higher than others which trust me uh you can't get much lower than some of these people 
But it seems like one of those situations where they were the over-the-top uh, youth sport parents. You know, this kid's 17. He's probably just like, hey, I do whatever my parents do. You know what I mean? And I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know him at all. But I do know that three people from his gallery, I don't know if it was parents or, or whoever it was, but they were forcibly removed by the Pinehurst police. Yeah, that that's just, you know what, if you're getting to that point where you, you need to even be warned about being forcibly removed, you should just be forcibly removed. Yeah, you don't belong on a course. Yeah, just, just act appropriately. Um, you know, I, I get like, oh, well, I paid the, the price of admission, so I'll do whatever I want. No, you're you're being stupid. Yeah, this is this is not a Justin Thomas situation or a Poulter where they're like rooting against them. You know, be like, you're good in the bunker. That dude's a pro. I mean, these are amateur kids. You know what I mean? They're not used to having galleries around. Like you think when when uh, hell, even Oklahoma State when they're playing in tournaments or Oklahoma or Stanford. Think you think there's galleries watching these kids? There's nobody. There's coaches. You know, there's there's someone that lives on the course, peering off their deck, watching. Like, there's no there's no need for that whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and that's the thing. Like you, like you said, you've been in a ton of youth sports. You know, I go to a lot of you know high school games because you know that's what that's what I do for a living. Um, and anytime it, it goes a little too far, someone just needs to kind of you know give the kids a little warning, and that's usually enough. Right. So that's as far as it really needs to go. Right. If it go if it goes beyond that, then you deserve to get kicked out. Yeah. Sorry. Agreed. Agreed. Um, all right. Well, let's let's switch gears. Let's go to the pro game this week, BMW Championship. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna state this, Scott. I think that JT's round on Saturday was equivalent to Brooks Kepka's first round at the PGA Championship. They both had decent tournaments, but it was those rounds that solidified the win. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, when you go out and you set a course record uh, on top of another course record, you know, you, you've done a pretty good job, but yeah, I mean, when you're, you're going into the final round with that big of a lead and you're Justin Thomas, who's, you know, been there before, um, uh, I, I feel like that, that puts you at a huge advantage and now people are chasing you and when they have to chase you, that means they need to press a little bit. And he can just go in there, play, you know, nice, easy golf, and hopefully, you know, take the win. And that's what he did. Yeah, he didn't do uh, he didn't do anything impressive Sunday. Shot 68, which, I mean, honestly is probably close to, like, the adjusted par that these guys would probably be playing on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Hideki made a little run shooting 63, nine under on the day. It's a great score. Patrick Cantley finished second, two off, uh, three off the winning score of, of 25 under. Um, shot 65, but, you know, at no point in time were they within breathing room of, of JT. Yeah, exactly. And, and JT had a, a, he had a really good tournament. I mean, 65, 69, 61, 68. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, you know, how do you argue with that? Especially, you know, the, the 61 is, is that, that's very JT. You know what I mean? Like the year where he won four times, um, I believe, he had two rounds under 63 in two of those wins. Like, that's him. You know, go go semi-low, semi-low, below the hell out of the course, and then cruise. Yep. 
And, you know, I was funny because I was thinking about him yesterday. You know, we, we had a, a, a talk not too long ago where we were trying to figure out who was going to have the, the most majors, you know, in 10 years or whatever it was. Right, right. Um, Justin Thomas never gets included in that, and I kind of feel like he should be. I, you know, again, it's one of those things where we talk about it all the time with Rory. He's held to such a different standard. I mean, Rory, mm-hmm. you know, like if you were to ask, okay, if you were to ask one of the guys that did not make it to East Lake, and we'll get to that list in a second, if you were to ask them, um, hey, you have a you have a win, right? Or you have two wins even. Uh, would you trade that for Rory's season? I'm going to guess most of these guys would say yes. Or even someone with three wins. Take, take someone that has one more win than Rory. I would think they would say yes because Rory's made like $4.5 million over a dude that won three times this year. Like his, his economic output this year is insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's always in the hunt. I mean, like it's not even, it, it, it's not even close. Like every week he's there. Yes, sometimes he falters on Sunday. But guess what? You see that because he's always there. Th- that's very true. And like, look, he's going into Eastlake as the fifth seed, right? And we'll talk about this, but he's starting at five under. It would not surprise me at all if he goes off, wins the tour championship, right? Then every single talking head is going to be like, oh, Rory, player of the year, hands down. Yeah, I know Brooksy won that, but come on. Now he's got three wins, a tour championship, $15 million or whatever. He'd be up to like $23 million on the year, which is probably the highest payout ever, I would assume. Oh, yeah, I would think so. Um, and, and, and then people are going to say, oh, well, I don't know. Brooksy, look at Brooksy's year. Okay, and then people say, well, Brooksy won twice in a major. Rory doesn't have a major, but now Rory's got three wins, $23 million, the tour championship at Eastlake. And look at all his top tens. Look at all his... But... Now, people are saying, wow, look at all those top 10s and he can't finish. Like, it's all perspective, you know? Oh, totally. Totally. And that's, that's the one thing that drives me crazy, because you and I have, talk, have spoken to so many people, and we understand the inside workings of the tour and how hard it is to win and, and, and what it's like to catch lightning in a bottle and never have that again. And here's a guy that catches like three-quarters of the lightning uh, almost every week. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, I was just looking at his 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 profile and he started the year off tied 54th at the the H, the HSBC Champions. And then he went 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 7 straight in the top 10. Then he came in 21st at the Masters and then 1 2 3 4 5 Six, six straight, well, not straight, but six tournaments again in the top ten. He missed the cut at the Memorial and the Open in there, but <laughs> almost every time he's seated up, he's he's been in the top ten. Right, so 13 out of what? 13 out of 17 top tens. Uh, two 18. Mi- eight, 13 eight. out of 18, two, two missed cuts, two wins. And currently sitting fifth in, uh, at five under at Eastlake before the tournament even starts. Correct. Yeah, it's uh, a, a good year. And yes, I do agree with you. I think Justin Thomas falls into that category at times. 
because uh, I think Justin Thomas and, and Rory as well and, and Spieth are the epitome of a streaky player. Like when they get hot, they just run the tables. And it could be for weeks on end. Right. So and then the question becomes, is that just what's normal? And, and Yeah, and I would say yes. I would say, look, stop comparing people to Tiger, okay? Because there was a Jack, there was a Tiger, and then there's going to be someone else in maybe 30 years. Right. You know, they're, yeah. they're, they're truly generational players. And so if you're going to compare Spieth, Rory, JT, Ricky, all those young guns who are now, you know, getting older in their 30s, 30 some of them uh if you're going to compare them all to this like unbelievably held high standard that tiger was on uh you can't you got to compare them against their contemporaries right and and let's be honest tiger tiger is a contemporary of phil of ernie uh you know guys like that yeah right um so and and you know what's an interesting fact, Scott, is a lot of people say, and I'm I'm one, and you know I'm an enormous Tiger lover, but I'm going to give you a take here, which which people might disagree with. Did Tiger come in during an era where there wasn't a dominant player, so therefore Tiger looked so much better? Because the discrepancy between like a top 10 guy and then the next 10 guys was enormous. Whereas nowadays, the discrepancy between finishing the top 10 and like 11 through 20 is not that big of a deal. Um, yeah. So here's the thing. It's, it's a lot of that. It's the guys now who are playing are there because of Tiger. The money's there because of Tiger. Of course. These these guys who are tremendous athletes are playing golf now. Everything is owed to him. The PGA Tour the, is owed to him. Yeah, correct. So that's the thing. So, like, is, you know, let's take Brooks Kepka. Is Brooks Kepka playing golf professionally if not for Tiger Woods? Um... I uh, you, uh, you know what I don't have a definitive answer to that. It, but it, but exa- there's... exactly. But here's the thing: a player like that, who was probably a tremendous athlete in high school, who maybe doesn't love golf that much, maybe he gets more pushed towards something like baseball, which he says you know he he loves. Right. Without without Tiger Woods, is the allure of being a pro golfer there? And I think the answer is no. Right. Right. Does, so, does, then, does, does somebody who have a a a glimpse or a, a slight interest in the sport who happens to be pretty decent does that person continue on without a Tiger Woods in the sport? No. Right. I agree so, with you 100 percent there. Yeah, and then take other guys who, without you know Tiger's emphasis on fitness and nutrition and and practice and people who see that model and then push their kids toward it, you know, are, are there going to be players, you know, who maybe never would have had the opportunity to be what they are now because of Tiger. 
Right, right. So, you know, maybe there was no dominant player when, when Tiger played, and maybe the fields are deeper now, but those fields are deeper, in my opinion, because of what Tiger did years ago. Sure. To get the, some of those guys in. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, just, I'm just going out on the fact that I personally think it is much harder to win on the PGA Tour nowadays as opposed to even 10 to 15 years ago. And then to play off of that fact, if you took it back 20, 30 years, it was much easier to win during Jack's time than it was during Tiger's time. And everyone will argue, and, and the argument I always get from people is, well, look at the Hall of Famers that Jack had. I understand that. But let's look at the other 80%, 85% of guys. You know, like it was a rotating cast of characters. Now in Tiger's time, I think that was cut down to 50%, let's say, of rotating guys in and on the tour. Nowadays, Scott, it would not surprise me at all if um, Zach Blair, Scotty Scheffler um, come out next year and win a tournament each or two tournaments off the Corn Ferry Tour. Like, every single guy that got their top 25 card coming up next year, out of those top 25 guys, I think there's 15 guys that have a legit chance at winning on tour. Like, when was that ever an issue? When did we ever have that? When did we have guys like Mike Weir, who was a Masters champion, you know, six to seven years after that, just scraping together starts on the Corn Ferry Tour? You know, yeah. what I mean? never, never. They were always on the PGA Tour because the level of play was not high, and it's astronomical nowadays. Absolutely. Now, so to go back to that and give you one more example, I'm going to talk about that kid, Steve Delisio, who we followed. Here's a kid who's ranked 867th in the World Amateur Golf Rankings. Now, you think of all the worldwide pros above him, right? There's probably 3,000 guys, 5,000 guys in the world playing on PGA Tour, sponsored things, mini tours, et cetera, et cetera. And this guy's only the 800th best ranked um I don't want to say collegiate golfer because it's not all college guys, but but amateur. And mm-hmm. this guy went out and shot even par on Pinehurst number four from the tips, tricked out by the USGA, and he's just a like a college kid that plays at Duke. Like how many right. of those guys are out there? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's nuts. It's nuts. It's it's so crazy. And uh, and and to further emphasize that, I had a guy that, you know, we're recording a little bit later on in the day today on Monday. I had a, a lesson today that I was giving with this one guy, and he was trying to tell you know typical guy trying to tell me that he hits the ball two sixty five, two seventy, and that if you know if he could only hit it three hundred yards, he'd probably be somewhere near a tour player. And you know, I try to be as honest as I can with people. I'm like, dude, listen, you have to understand something. Like, you see me as your teacher, but I do a lot of stuff in golf outside of this. And I will tell you that you have like one percent of the talent that a PGA Tour player has. Right, and and furthermore, not only that, but you've also not spent most of your youth and you know adolescent years and or, you know college years developing your game like some of those people have right and you know 
to, to say that, like, oh, well, if I could just drive the ball 20 yards further, I could be on the tour. Uh, no. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're an idiot. Could you, yeah, could you maybe go out and perform well on a tour course that's set up for the tour? Probably. If no one was re- watching. Are you going to retain your card? No. No. No, I mean, that that's the thing. People have no... They see, like, hey, I played Pinehurst number two. Like, I shot an 85. Cut a few strokes off of that. I could qualify. No, no. No, you can't. Okay? Because you played it at 6,250 yards, not 7,250. Right? You played it with uh, a local caddy giving you all the knowledge. You made a few lucky putts, which you've never made in your life. Um... You know, it rained, so the greens were soft. You didn't play it in stimped conditions like the USGA sets up. Like, it's insane to think that people can honestly believe with an inch of the, you know, with like a thread of their body that they that they have the talent and ability that these, these guys do because they don't. Like, it's a different game, Scott. It's a different world. Yeah, unless your, like, club has a club champion who at one point was like a, uh, you know, a web.com player or now corn fairy player, uh, chances are your your average club champion would not have any success on the PGA Tour. That is what I'm going to start telling people. I'm going to say, tell me the name of your club and give me the name of your last 10 club champions. And then, only if I deem those people successful in golf, will I tell you that you have a chance to be. Yeah, exactly. Professionally. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. Are they going to probably win or compete in that club championship every year? Yeah, there's a good chance. Uh, if they had to step outside of that and then start playing for money, that's a whole other ball game. It's literally a whole other game. Without a doubt. And because you stand over a putt and you feel like you're on an island and your hands feel like bricks like you've never hit a putt before. Scott, I was playing a great bear with Dan from Train on Main, right? And I've been playing some pretty damn good golf as of late. And... Uh, we played from the blue tees there, like one back from the tips, and I shot 75. I had four birdies. That had four birdies that lipped out and a par putt that lipped out. Well, guess what? That was done within the confines of, of playing with three other people. I was on a tee box. I can't remember the hole, 12 or 13 or whatever, and it was relatively short. It was only like 340. So I was like, I'm going to hit three wood because the hole was a big dog leg right. You know that I draw the ball. You know, my, my, my fate is, is a straight ball, right? So I hit three wood, and I hear the cart girl coming down the hill. And I was like, I should back away, I should back away, I should back away. I didn't back away, right? What I do? I tugged it right into the woods. Like the first time someone other than the three people I was playing with were watching, I fall apart. Right. Right now, yeah. so, so imagine, imagine your local dude that plays weekend money games being thrust in front of 50,000 people. Yeah, and and that's that's ultimately that's the thing. It's like the first tee jitters, but it's every hole. And every shot and every step. Like try not to throw up on yourself every single step you take on the course. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's it's not conditions that people are used to playing in. Exactly. All right, uh let's move on to the farce that is going to be the Tour Championship at East Lake. I think from now on, the PGA Tour should just have a big asterisk at their net championship. So, I don't understand why they don't just do this as match play. 
Okay, amen. I mean, you're obviously preaching to the choir if you're talking to me about match play. I mean, you've already set up some weird artificial situation where the guy who had arguably the best season is not the number one seed, essentially. Right, and to tell people what you're talking about, right now Brooks Kepka is the three seed. So JT, Justin Thomas, is starting at 10 under par. Okay? Patrick Cantley, number two, is at eight under. Brooksy's at seven. Patrick Reed's at six under. Rory's at five under. Then there's a, a host of guys at four, a host of guys at three, two, and one until we get down to even. And the guy starting at even, Bryson, Louis Ustazen, uh Chucky Three Sticks, Lucas Glover, and Jason Kokrak all started even par. So now, tell me how any of those guys have any chance whatsoever of catching JT. Not just because JT's at 10 under, because JT's at 10 under and on fire. Uh, I mean, obviously anything can happen, but, I mean, let's be, let's be realistic about it. He's essentially sleeping on a you know, two-stroke lead for the next few days. I, I, I just I don't understand what they're trying to accomplish here. So originally, let's let people know this. Originally, the playoffs and the WGC events were put together so at six to seven times a year outside of the majors, all the top players would be playing. Because back in the day, players could do whatever the hell they wanted and they really didn't need to worry about how many tournaments they played. Well, the WGC has turned into a farce with the amount of money and free points that they throw out to people and no cuts. Now, the FedEx Cup playoffs, which have a decent... uh, There's decent bones about it, Scott. You understand what I mean? There's there's a good mindset behind the push to it. And the original mindset was to keep all the top players playing as the NFL season starts because the PGA Tour gets killed in the ratings. Well, now what they've decided to do is to finish up the Tour Championship before the NFL starts, and they've conducted this... Some, Scott, somebody got paid for this. You understand? Somebody yeah, no, I, out I there totally got paid to say, hey, why don't we give some dude a 10-stroke lead? What the... F- Who thinks of that? Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, you're sitting around in a meeting, and you're like, all right, let's brainstorm an idea. Every idea, even if it's crazy, just shout it out. And then someone's like, huh, why don't we just give someone a 10-stroke lead? And then someone's like, yeah, that's a great plan. And then you're just like, what, what, what happened? Right. And then you don't want to be the only one at the table who thinks it's a bad idea, so you just go along with it. Right. It's, it's the world being run by idiots, and the one person with common sense is, is probably like the quiet reserve dude, and he's probably like meekly raising his hand going, um, guys, that's not really golf. And, and, and the big jocks are like, yeah, 10 under, 10 under, 10 under. Right. Yeah. And I don't know. And I, so, and I get the whole argument about like why you wouldn't do it as a match play, because then you run the, the risk of having, you know, two kind of guys that nobody cares about in the final. But here, here's the thing, right? They've set up a situation where they're not pulling in casual fans anyway. Correct. Unless one of two guys are are playing, most of the world does not care about this. So do you think they're jump-starting this 
with people so far under par because they know it's going to be a top guy, a name that's going to be the top of the leaderboard, and they can promote that from day one? Uh, yeah, I do think so. <sighs> it, I mean, obviously, as you can tell, well, I, I hate it. I hate it. I hate this idea. Well, but, but here's the thing. like They're really close to this backfiring because – I think Justin Thomas is, is kind of recognizable to casual fans. Patrick Cantlay? No way. No, yeah, no exactly. way would a dude with ears like that is going to be like their poster boy. Yeah, exactly. A- Abraham Answer? Right. Uh, again, great player. A guy you and I know, but this is what we do. Like, we're... This is not who this is marketed at. We're going to watch anyway. Of course. So, so at the point where you're just essentially giving up, and by the way, the fact that both Tiger and Phil are not in the field, you've already chased away the like, oh, let's watch some golf today. Yeah. Fan. Yeah, I mean, like, Ricky is the most recognizable guy, um, you know, aside from the top guys. Ricky, DJ, Ricky's starting at two under, DJ's at three under. Um there's there's no one else. Like people I doubt they know what JT looks like. They definitely don't know what Patrick Cantley looks like. You only know Brooks Kepka if you follow golf or sports. Uh most people hate Patrick Reed. Obviously Rory. Everyone knows him. You know, no non golf fan knows John Rahm, Matt Kuchar, Xander Shoffley, Webb Simpson, Abraham Answer, Gary Woodland, Tony Finau, Adam Scott. People will tune in to see Adam Scott because he's good looking, that's about the only reason. Right, but I, then there's also there's that actor Adam Scott, so they're probably not sure who they're going to get. Sure, sure. And then I, and then I, and then I, 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 go ahead. I was just going to say, and then like you get to the bottom, like number thirty is Jason Kokrak. Yeah, there's golf the fans thing, like, that can't even pick Jason Kokrak out of a lineup. Yeah, like who? That's the thing. Who cares about Jason Kokrak? Right, except for Jason Kokrak's family. And guess what? Jason Kokrak could go out and, and be four under every single day. And finish at 16 under par, uh, and then JT throws in two rounds of 75, but he has a low round and he wins. Yeah. And 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 not only does he win, Scott, but he wins 15 million. Right, because in order to you know get people to play in these events and take them a little bit more seriously, they threw even more money at it. Even more, five million more. Uh, for what? For a net championship. Yeah, and again, I still don't even understand how they get to where they're at now. Like, again, I, 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 I get it. Like, there's points, and then you get double points for the playoffs. I, I get it. But I still just don't get how, after you, you played the whole season, Justin Thomas, you know, has a, a great week at the right time, and now he's number one. Well, that's golf. You get hot when you yeah. need to and you win. Because if it was a season-long event, Brooks Kepka should start at 100 under par. Right. You know, let's just let's just crown him. Right? right. He, is, so he is who we thought he was. Crown him. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and that's the thing. So, at least if they were playing a match play, then you can say, this is a true playoff. We're rewarding the people who got hot at the right time. We're not having this artificial, like, 
Oh, well, they're 10 under now because they got hot last week. Get hot at the right time. All right, here, here's an idea, right? Enough enough yep. bitching and complaining about the PGA Tour. We love them. We yeah. hate them. It is what it is, right? We can't do anything I about it. I am going to bitch and complain about one more thing. And, but we and can, it's we your podcast, so you're allowed to. But no, no, I don't, I don't even want to move on. I want to propose an idea. I want okay. to propose an idea to the PGA Tour people that are listening out there. It's very simple. You can keep your your strokes under par, right? Because we want to live under par. We want to hashtag live under par. Do me this favor. Turn it into match play. Let one play 30 or one play 24, whatever the number is, and give that person a stroke aside. Any mm. time that you are the top seed, let's seed one through 24 or one through 16, whatever, I don't care. Any time that you are the higher seed, you automatically get a stroke on the front and a stroke on the back. I like that. Okay, so it's it's fair to the higher seeds. The higher seeds are given um, given something, right? We're not taking everything away, but they're not getting you know ten strokes. But two strokes a match is interesting because it's not stroke play, right? It's match play. So if I'm giving you two strokes, Scotto, odds are, let's say I was the higher seed, maybe I'm a better player, odds are you're going to be more aggressive because bogeys don't matter to you. Birdies mm-hmm. and eagles do. So now you might see guys doing some pretty cool stuff out there at East Lake, Flag hunting when it's cut three paces off the left edge. Cutting that tree when they never would. Right? Because they're already mm-hmm. down two. Right, and now we're talking about let's get some eyes on the screen. What's definitely going to get eyes on the screen? A, a guy who's coming from you know coming from behind theoretically, and you know chasing fifty nine. Yeah, because he's he's everything that he's trying that's crazy is working. Right, of that's, course that gets of... that gets people watching. Yeah, and then then you can you can trick up the ways that you do it. Maybe you do the first two rounds stroke play, and then the last four people left, it's just complete match play. You know, and if you make it to the final four, if you're the higher seed, you only get one stroke or, or whatever, you know? I mean, just just something different. Like, that's the problem I had. I know we're going off on tangents. Apologies. Uh, but you're fans anyway. You listen. We love you. So, so hear us out on this. It's the same thing with the Olympics. The Olympics comes around once every four years. Why are we doing a stroke play tournament? I see it every damn week. Right. Give exactly. me something different. Yeah, change change it up just a little bit. Just here and there, just every now and again, play a match play. Do a Stableford. I, I like the, you know, the 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 team event, the one in Louisiana that they do. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The Zurich. The Zurich, thank you. Yeah, like that's it's a good change. I don't need it every week, but every now and again, or if you want to make something special, go ahead and do it. This is the playoff. Make it a true playoff. There you go. So that, that's my idea, Scott. Oh, it's not a rant and a rave. It's something I've thought about. I think it would work. I just need to get it into the hands of the correct people. Hmm. All right. What did you want to complain about as well? Uh, PGA Tour social media. Of course. That's your bread uh, and butter. Let us, let us have it. Yeah. So uh, Justin Thomas, terrific win, terrific turnaround according to the the PGA Tour website, the picture they chose of him, 
he's, uh, you know, he's standing there. It looks like he's holding his divot tool. He's kind of raising, uh, you know, his right hand up in victory. And smack dab in the middle of the picture is his armpit, and you can clearly see that he sweats through his shirt. So now whose fault is that? Not his. He's a human being. Do we blame it on Polo, RLX, or do we blame it on the photographer who, who should have only shown him in a good light? So let, let's, let's not even blame the photographer. Let's blame whoever picked this picture because a couple things. First of all, uh, Photoshop, right? Just Photoshop it out. It's not hard. Sure. Second thing, how many pictures did they take of this guy after he won? I am sure that hundreds of pictures got snapped. Okay, I'm going to tell you what, Scott. I'm going to tell you an exact number, okay? 5,000. You know how I came to that number? Because because walking around the grounds of Pinehurst, not having any connection with the USGA or working for the USGA, I literally took almost 500 pictures. That's one single person. Now, you Mm -hmm. know how many photographers are on the 18th green or the 72nd hole of a PGA Tour event. Exactly. Those cameras go off nonstop. So 5,000 is the answer. Right. So somebody somewhere has a picture of him where, you know, he doesn't look like, you know, he's he's sweated through his shirt. That's the point I'm trying to make. Right. Let, let's portray these guys in a good light. Let's not make them, you know, look crazy. And again, it, I wouldn't have noticed it. It's the picture's rectangular. If you imagine a rectangle and you put your finger right where the center of the rectangle is, that's what, that's what it is. That's exactly where it is. I'm doing it right now on my iPad, and that is exactly the center of the rectangle. That's where your eye automatically gets drawn, and there you go. I can I can feel your hate and vitriol, Scott, and I uh, I am I am one that encourages it. Of course, of course. Um, I don't know, but I think I think that was a that was quite a rant. I think we solved a lot of the golf world's problems this week. Uh, well, I don't know that we solve any of the problems, but I think maybe what we've done is make um, put put a light on some of them, and maybe someone will just be like, you know what, you guys are really good at you know coming up with ideas to solve these problems, maybe you should do that for us. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that, Scott, because yet again, the PGA Tour has granted Leave the Pin In uh, media access, and this time for the military tribute at the Greenbrier. Um, we're undecided. We're undecided if Leave the Pin In is going to show up there and plaster the Greenbrier with stickers. I don't think that would be a, a good look. Um, I would like to go into the vault where they would store senators and congressmen and women uh, if there was, you know, any type of nuclear war or something along those lines. I'd like to see that, maybe maybe leave a sticker for somebody, you know? You never know who's going to be down there and just be like, oh, I wonder how this sticker got up here. Hmm. I wonder which uh, senator was a big fan of this, you know, random golf podcast. So I, I met a... Uh, I- <laughs> <laughs> I, I met an older gentleman at Pinehurst, and I gave him the sticker, and he gave me his card, right? And uh, he was a photographer. He gave me his card because he took some pictures of the boys that made it to the local newspaper um, the next day. And he said, oh, do you have a card for your podcast? I said, of course I do. So I gave it to him. He says, well, I don't understand this. <laughs> I said, well, what, 
what don't you understand? He says, well, it, it, that's a cool picture, but what does it mean? I said, well, it's the Instagram handle to our podcast, at Leave the Pin, same as on Twitter. And he said, how do I call you? So, well, you can direct message me on there. He says, I don't get it. It's a cool sticker, though. I'll put it somewhere. Maybe he's the one who, who stuck that out of the gas station. You know, you know, I ne- you know what? It's funny. I never thought about that. I honestly never thought about that. Now, my my feeling is it was probably one of the many players or caddies that my kids gave stickers to because they were little workhorses. What they would do, Scott, is go out, get their autographs, and then give the people a sticker and say, hey, this is from my dad's podcast because nobody ever gives anything to the players. The players are always asked to give. So I thought it would be cool for the kids to be like, hey, thanks for your autograph. Here you go. And some people kind of looked at it and like stuck it in a pocket or gave it to a caddy. But other people, it stoked the conversation. We got to talk with a few of them, like Jacob Solomon, who finished second at the stroke play portion of the USM. We've been talking to him a bunch, trying to get him on the show for a time that's convenient. Um, You know, same thing with Cole Hammer, um, things like that. And then, you know, our buddy Jason Gore, is the senior director of player operations for the USGA. So he was there all week. So he saw me on the range. He came over, said, hey, these are your kids. Yeah, they start talking. And they were like, can we get an autograph? He's like, oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. So he signs their flags. And then my youngest son gives him a sticker. He's like, oh, thanks, dude. He signs that too. And Drew looks at me and, like, didn't know what to do. <laughs> and I said, I said, hey, Jace, I said, that's for it was for you to keep. He's like... Dude, I'm so sorry. Kids hand me stuff. I just signed them. He's like, I'm I'm sorry. Give me another one. <laughs> well, I, let me tell you why that's that's brilliant. Because if you and I walk around a golf tournament and we try and hand stickers to a player, it's easy to say no to us. Of course. And and, and honestly, like it's creepy. Yeah, exactly. Because like, hey, these here's are my stickers. Check and, out my podcast. Like, and these kids were like half our age. Yeah, exactly. Well, even even at a PGA Tour event. Sure. Uh, uh, well, those kids are probably half our age, too. A lot of them, but, <laughs> um, uh, that's the thing. It's like no one's going to say no to a kid who oh, hands you a sticker. Oh, you think this you, is for you? Yeah, you think I, I didn't I mean, think about that? Yeah, no, I know you did. I'm, I'm just I'm just explaining to people how your mind works. Oh, correct. Very true, very true. <laughs> very true. Um. Yeah, so it was uh, it was terrific. I mean, we uh, like I know you sent me a ton, Scott. Like you overnighted more stickers than I thought you had made. Um, oh, that was a whole a whole box of them. Yeah, I was gonna say it's probably close to five hundred. No, I, I don't think it's that many, but okay. Uh, okay, three hundred. Maybe about three. Okay, well, anyway, I've got like fifty left. Okay. Yeah, we did a good job uh, sticking up the place. Plus, I've been leaving them at courses that we have played. I'm not going to name those courses because maybe I stuck them a few places or maybe I didn't. Mm. But I think, Scott, we have right now, we have an autographed Jason Gore uh, leave the pin and sticker. So what I propose is that if somebody sees one of our stickers out there in the wild, send us a picture of it. Let us know where you found it, tag us in it, and we'll send you, you know, a few stickers and some other cool stuff, but we'll send you the Jason Gore autograph sticker as well. That, that's pretty awesome. 
Now, that's as a great plan. Yeah, that's a great plan. I was going to say we should run some kind of contest. So that that works for me. But now, now that I think about it, like our buddy Kirk, Kirk Photography on Instagram, I'm wondering we should probably send him something too. Mm. He really found the first one. He kind of gave me the idea. Right, right, right. So um, we'll take care of the people. Yeah, we'll figure something out. We'll take care of the people. Um, Scott, I want to thank McEwen Golf uh, on Instagram uh, for sending me one of the Tiger Woods head cover hats. Oh, yes. That was a contest that you won, yes. though, correct? Yeah. And um, I didn't take a picture with it yet. I'm going to. I might go play golf now. I think I'm going to head out and play a little Twilight 9 or 18. Um, uh, that was my plan, but it is. It's about a second away from pouring here. Well, did that last night. I'm looking out the window. Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see. But it's at Hideaway, so it's free no matter what. So if I play three holes or if I play thirty holes, it's cool. Right. So so that's that. Yeah. Look 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 for that. Look for that. I think that's something we'll put on Instagram. And uh, let's also thank Train on Main and then Mulligans Golf. We've been putting some Mulligans Golf stickers on places, including golf carts on certain courses that I don't necessarily uh, want to name, but there are some carts out there with Mulligan golf stickers on them. Yep. And I am most likely, again, weather permitting, playing on Thursday. Uh, so, again, there's a, a New York area course that will be uh, maybe a little stickered up by the time I'm done. Um, are we going to get a Scott versus fill-in-the-blank course? Uh, we are. Fair enough. Uh, that's my that's my plan. Uh, I'm playing with with you know two guys that I know, so uh, obviously that's you know got to be cool with them. Um, but definitely me and maybe all three of us versus uh, whatever course this is. I would like to see Mike versus the long drive hole. Please give me that. Um, I can do that. Let him swing out of his shoes. I, I can do that. I'm just trying to figure out which hole. Oh, I know which hole perfect. Okay. It could be a par three. I don't care. Yeah, it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a long, long straight par five. There you go. There you go. And all the troubles on the right, which works for him because he's a lefty. Uh, so his, his, his slice won't kill him. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, brother man. Episode 31. Over and done. Got anything else for the people? I do not. Look for uh, you know, look for us on Instagram and everywhere else you consume social media. All right, people. Either get busy golfing or get busy dying. All right, be good.